You've got to find the right rhythms, the right rhythms for rest, the right rhythm to find that space and scour out that space yes. to give you the space you need with God to keep yourself on track with him. Yes. And you've got to scour out that time to have an older man walk in your life. Right. You've got to scour out the time to, not, you know, as you do with your wife and your kids and your other commitments and your friends and so on, you need to scour out that time with an older man to walk and mm. a group of mates to walk with. Yes. And you've got to find the fun in life. There's a whole bunch of things to do, and it can become really overwhelming, but somehow you've got to do those pieces. Welcome to Become Good Soil. I'm your host, Morgan Snyder, a podcast for men choosing a decade of excavation. I had a really remarkable privilege to get in the studio here at the Outpost with Dave Tolman, a friend a mentor and a hero of mine in the faith from across the world down in Australia. We partnered together to pull off some Wild to Heart boot camps back in the years past. Dave came here from Australia to partner with myself and the rest of the team from Ransom Heart to offer an intensive to another group of men here in Colorado. Dave is a CPA and he is a strategic leader of a ministry organization, a really big camp and conference center outside of Sydney, and he's a remarkable father, remarkable husband, and a remarkable friend. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation on mentoring and much more. Well, welcome from the other side of the globe. Welcome. Yeah, a long way from home. It sure is. Dave, you're so gracious to come halfway around the world and drop in to offer your your story, your years, your decades to these younger men and... Uh, we're just fresh off the uh, most recent intensive, and we we're planning on to spend the day together and having mm. conversation. And I just sense God say, "Turn on the microphone and just catch it live." So I sprung this on you; it wasn't planned. But thanks for being gracious and and being in the sandbox with me. I had nowhere to go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so react. Where did your heart go as you found yourself among peers? these older men that have traveled the tried and true road that Jeremiah talks about. And where did your heart go as you sat with these younger men that are designed to build and yet are wrestling with all the challenges that that presents? And where did your heart go in your own story of thinking back to when you were in your late 20s and early 30s and those young years of young kids and young marriage. And I just would love to hear your heart's response. My gosh. I remember in preparation for coming over, you wrote some words. You know, there was a whole bunch of stuff we had to read, a lot of practical stuff. Yes. And, and you go through all that. And the words at the end of your email was, look, don't stress, just I'm paraphrasing yes. here. Bring yourself as God has made you, in essence. That's all you need to be. Exactly. So I felt kind of good because I can do that. Yes. I can do that easily. (laughs) Yep. But nonetheless, I came with some apprehension. And I think I shared this in our first story time with the facilitators, with the older men. Because you guys all know each other. And there's a lot of years of experience in doing this stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of them had been part of the program before. So I kind of came along with some apprehension and I realized that probably wasn't just my own doing. There was some apprehension about whether I was going to be good enough Mm. and whether I could enter into this. And my gosh, because of the importance of this for these young men, whether I was going to fail, which is probably one of my big issues in my own life, you know, Mm. 
are you going to fail? Yes. But I have to say in the first, the first time of sharing, my mind and my heart just settled because I could hear the heartbeat of all the guys in the room. Mm-hmm. I could really feel God's presence in what was about to unfold. Mm-hmm. And there was an openness there. There was no corporate Christianity. There was just men that had came together wanting to help and wanting to be part of being something more in the lives of some younger men. And I could do that. So my apprehension faded away. That's awesome. I remember I shared this with uh, one of the guys I met, Jim, who um, he just had this great smile and this great face. And from the time I arrived, he he was kind of like a bit of God just looking at me going, hey, it's all right, Dave. It's all right. And it was funny because he made fun of my accent the whole time I was That's there. That's beautiful. And uh, every time he saw me, he was, hey, Dave, hey, Dave. And he did it quite well, actually. You Americans don't do it that way, <laughs> I have to say. Um, <laughs> but you do an American accent brilliantly, if yeah, I recall from your Yeah, stuff. I can do it really well. <laughs> I can sell into your accent quite well. <laughs> it's, it's painful. Anyway, and I said to him in the end, you know, your smile and uh, your – openness to me was just God saying, hey, you're here. Yes. Let's get into it. Let's lock arms. And that's the way it felt. So it was just fantastic. The the actually settling in with these young men mm-hmm. was a wonderful journey. I know in my own life, my real brokenness came to its crescendo in my 30s, where a whole bunch of stuff happened in my life, mm-hmm. which was pivotal to either me going down the slide even further mm. or turning around to really following Christ. Yes. And fortunately, I took the latter. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's been a whole other story. Mm. But the importance of meeting these men at this time was it's paramount to me. Mm-hmm. I know in sharing with some of my mates in ministry mm-hmm. back in Australia and a couple of guys in particular that I work closely along beside, you know, this is a really important era mm. in a man's life, that late 20s, 30s, uh, going into a fog, uh, your Superman's faded off your chest, mm. and that disillusionment really settles in and can often settle in. It's not every man's journey, but it can often happen. Mm. And I know that was my own story. So like all the other facilitators there, if I can go there and I can help them to navigate a different path, one that's not filled with destruction and fog and disillusionment, I want to be part of that. Yes. In reflecting, I can see that um, my wife has actually written about what she calls she calls a collide, and mm-hmm. it's it's a collision, and it's talking about the fact that. Now, we've siloed in Christianity mm-hmm. in so many ways. We've mm-hmm. siloed kids from parents and, you know, in the way we do church and all that kind of stuff. And for me, this was a prime example of where you bring an unbelievable collision and a collision which forces something new to happen, something new to shape. And the collision was not only with God, but it was between the facilitators and between the younger men. Mm-hmm. The facilitator's desperate, desperate, I would say, to really help and through their years of experience and hopefully a little bit more wisdom, be able to navigate and 
impact some guys so that they wake up mm. and they don't go down the path that so many of us went down. And um, the younger men in their disillusionment, a lot of them, or pressure and you know whatever's going on in their worlds where they're really searching, it was a collision where they didn't realise that they were really probably going to have with God, but they were also going to have it with facilitators under the hand of God, which mm-hmm. was going to help them find a path through yes. and to get a wake-up call. So it was a pretty pretty good collision. Yes. It was a pretty good collision mm. as far as I was concerned. Dave, that's interesting, that word collision. Like one mentor said it this way to me, that a spiritual father cares more about your heart than your gifting. And I think young men in young careers, young kids, young marriages, they find themselves often under older men that are in positions of authority. But truth be told, there are still young places within those younger men. And so they're largely looking to the young men to be productive and to fulfill a role to help them be validated. Mm. You know, at the intensive, we're able to create this really unique atmosphere of a collision between these older men that really care about the hearts of the young men and then these younger men that really are thirsty for it. But that's a rare and unique experience. What about the other men that aren't there? Or what about the man that is there and then he goes back to his world? Like, how would you suggest you move towards that collision? Because it's so essential. Like you said, you can have it with the Father, God, but ultimately there's some portion of the kingdom that only comes through older men that are walking mm. in front of us. What mm. would you say to those guys? Well, I just know in my own life in the past, probably the past 12 or 13 years, a mentor with an older man has been a critical piece in my being able to stay in the race. Yes. And so when you're part of this message and we know that having a band of men around us or a, a group of mates, as we mm-hmm. like to say, having a group of mates around you that are real, that are going to call it yes. if uh, you're on the wrong path, that's who you need around you. But you also need someone who's a little bit further along down mm-hmm. the track. Mm-hmm. I know part of my journey, as I've just said, mentoring is really important. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken it upon as a very distinct responsibility as a man now in my early 50s. Yes to mentor other men, Mm -hmm. younger men, Mm -hmm. because I just think I want to be able to help these younger men and help them realize the importance of having someone that's safe to go and talk to, having someone that understands who you are and is not going to be there just to try and get something out of you, but Mm -hmm. wanting to relationally be in there with you and help you along the road and to navigate some of that stuff, you know. I think we're meant to do life with people. And so I think it's critical. It's a critical piece of the equation for me to have mentoring. I'm not talking about a life coach. Yes. I'm not talking about any of that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. You can get that. I know in my own life I've got a mentor and I've also got a guy that professionally is walking alongside Mm -hmm. me in the realm of work that I do that can offer me insight and guidance and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about a mentor who's who every aspect of your life spiritually and otherwise yes. is going to help you navigate that through. And I think I think it's important that that message is impressed upon the young men. Yes. I have a question about that. Yep. So, I mean, what you're articulating is that 
God's really put it on your heart to go after young men. Mm. But I think what I observe is there's quite a few of your peers that don't really believe that the young men want it. And so they have as much to offer to these young men from the wisdom they've gained in the walk with God and, and from the redemption through pain. But I think living in a culture, you know, Richard Rohr says it this way, that it's the first time in history that young people are given adoration over older people. Like, you know, that the teens are idolized and not the elders. And there's a distinction between elders and elderly, he says, mm. where an elderly person is an old person, whereas an elder is someone that's taken the journey, that's taken the risk, that's processed through their pain, their brokenness, their need for God, and has come through the other side. Would it be fair, Dave, to say that for all the guys out there that don't have a man like you pursuing them, saying, hey, let me be your mentor, that it may be worth praying and moving towards older men where in whom there might be a possibility and understand that that older man, while he might have treasures to offer, he might actually be battling against the lie that he has nothing to offer a younger oh, man. Absolutely. I mean, you've hit upon something that's really important. And we heard it from a number of facilitators over the weekend, you know, thanking you and the rest of the team for the opportunity to get to speak into these men's lives. Yes. Because they don't get the opportunity. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is that both men and women are given a use-by date. Mm. Everyone works toward your retirement. You know, mm. you've got to plan your money and you've got to plan this. And, you, and, you know, a lot of people work towards that that goal of retirement. Yes. And just thinking they're going to play golf or, right. in our case, lie down the beach all day or do whatever, right. I don't know. Right. And I think there may be an element of less fervent work and yes. perhaps even the blessing of no need to work, that that then offers the opportunity to transition yes. into another area where I think it's a requirement as an older person yes. that you are then seeking out and given opportunity to speak in. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons why men in particular don't do that, I think. Their journey in the last you know 20 or 30 years have been bashed down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and there's a lot of broken men and women out there, but there's a lot of broken men, and particularly within the corporate church, haven't found a place. It hasn't been fostered very well, yes. I don't think. You know, there's a variety of reasons why men don't necessarily step into that. And our age group, we haven't necessarily done the emotional support or spiritual support thing very well, that vulnerability thing. Yes. Something I've had to learn later in my life yes. um, through my brokenness. So I think for that reason, you know, a lot of guys don't step into it and they're a little bit reluctant mm-hmm. to step into that realm mm-hmm. of, okay, I'm going to help another bloke out. I'm going to yes. help this guy out to find his way through. Yes. But it's really important. Um, interestingly enough, I think the younger guys, they're desperate for input. I think they're really wanting some help. And in the busyness of everything going wrong, you know, it's another thing that they've got to try and navigate to yes. fit into their lives which makes that really difficult to try and work, but it's worth fighting for. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. I've found uh, a couple of guys I've mentored, I've, I've had to actually had to actually pull them up and say, hey, this is really important, and if it's not me, that's fine, but at least get someone that's yes. walking with you on this. Yes. Because it is desperately important. Yeah. And, and just happens. to be clear, 
I mean, when you say mentoring, largely you're not talking about like a formal church program or someone mm-hmm. that's going through this track. You're just describing a relationship that's prioritized, that's sacrificed for, and given whatever context is necessary so that you can journey together. Oh, absolutely. None of the stuff I do, yes. and, you know, I'm one example, yes. is under a, a structured program. Yes. Oh, sorry, a I am mentoring some students as part of a an academic program, but they're a much younger age group, and that's not what I'm talking about. But the other guys of the, the age that we're yes. talking about, late 20s, 30s, that's an unstructured thing, and it really is, as you use the term, it really is wanting to collide with guys specifically on this. You're not signing any agreements and doing any of that sort of yes. stuff. It's about seeking out some people yes. that you're really walking with. Yes. I just finished a spiritual mentoring course, and it was – about finding that contemplative place with God. Yes. And so, and I know in my own life in the last few years, that's been a really important piece of the puzzle for me. Yes. Finding that contemplative piece, that piece that I can sit at with God, which is just so nourishing and helpful in my own journey, how I can help other men specifically to find that place in the midst of that stage in life that they're at. And pushing Um, into that real practically, pragmatic, like, running and gunning and demands and I barely have time to get together for a cup of coffee to talk about it. But the contemplative life, like stillness, you know, what is it you mean? Like, so what would you say to a man, a young man, he's got this three-month-old baby and this marriage that's struggling, he's trying desperately to make his career work and you know, you know the gold of intimacy with God is found in the contemplative life. Like, what kind of suggestions would you make to him? Well, it's like everything else, you hit upon it really well on the weekend. There's a couple of issues, but you've got to be strategic about it, and you have to be sold out about it to do it. Mm. And I think that's the hard bit is that, unfortunately, there's there's some guys that would probably want it, but they aren't willing to make the commitment to go and do it. Mm. I don't know. Yep. Or they haven't, been, they haven't been shown the merit or the goal yes. and why I should do it. Yes. So they're caught in the whole washing machine thing yes. of getting spun around and, mm-hmm. and not really knowing how to get out of it. That's why I think a collision like we just had on the weekend yes. is really important because guys in my group came along pretty well caught, you know, so many pressures and particularly as you're, as you're climbing the ladder of success, a lot yes. of these guys are pretty successful in by world standards, the pressures are even greater. So to give them a jolt to say, hey, let's think about this. Don't make some of the mistakes I've made. Don't get further down the track wishing yes. that you'd made some different decisions with your time. And you certainly enunciated that really well in the corporate sessions about, you know, you've got to do this. Mm-hmm. You've got to dig deep. You've got to take a back seat. And yeah. you've got to make a strategic decision to go for a contemplative lifestyle, to really scour out your place and your time with God to understand who you are so that you're going to be better in every aspect of your life yes. later on for your wife, for your kids, for your career and all those sorts mm. of aspects. In some ways, it's almost a paradox, isn't it, where yeah. it feels in a lot of those situations emotionally like you're actually sabotaging your career or time with your family. Mm. But the truth is you're actually using it to fill the reservoir mm. so that you can become the man that you truly want to be mm. and the man God's made you to be in those arenas, yeah. right? I think the, the idea that one man suggested to me that God is always relating, he's relating to the man that we are, 
that we've yeah. yet to become. Yeah. And the question is, how are we becoming that man? And so the risk to pull aside to say, no, I'm choosing to take an evening and not work and not be with my family and find an older man that I respect on some level and just start asking him questions mm. and bring all that under the father and say, okay, every man is imperfect, but I'm trusting you're a good father. I'm trusting that you are more vested in my being mentored and being fathered than I am even. So I'm trusting that you'll come through older men. Mm. So I'll give you an opportunity. I'll give a context if you'll come. Mm. Mm. I think a really good piece in that too is you do you have to sabotage your career? I don't know that you do. Mm. I know what you're saying in that, but one of the guys said at the end of the session, one of the facilitators, you know, there's seasons and you may have a season of busyness, you know, where you don't have to put down the pen at five because yes. I've got a particular season that I'm on. Yes. But to be aware that instead of living in that place the whole of your life, yes. that you are very much aware of the seasonality yes. of the stuff that you have to do. Yes. You know, when you're a young dad, right. your kids are going to cry at all hours of the oh, night. Right. They're going to get sick when you don't right. want them to get sick, and it, it just messes up your whole right. timeline. Right. So, you know, you can't control those things, but that's a season in life, and then you've got to balance that out. It's a rhythm. Yes. You've got to find the right rhythms, the right rhythms for rest, the right rhythm to find that space and scour out that space yes. to give you the space you need with God to keep yourself on track with it. Yes. And you've got to scour out that time to have an older man walk in your life. Right. You've got to scour out the time to, not, you know, as you do with your wife and your kids and your other commitments and your friends and so on, you need to scour out that time with an older man to walk and mm. a group of mates to walk with. Yes. And you've got to find the fun in life. There's a whole bunch of things to do and it can become really overwhelming, yes. but somehow you've got to do those yes. pieces. Well, one of the things you mentioned that, just really grabbed me is that idea of it feels like the enemy stamps a used by date on us, right? And you just think of like a great steak and think, okay, it's it's great if it's used by this certain date. And there's just something of our culture, you know, that, like the idea of that in kind of this Western worldview is the only purpose of the present moment is to prepare for a future moment, that mm. we're always future centric and, and really not living in the present moment. And, and I think... <laughs> You know, Willard posed this question to me that I think is just fascinating. Dallas said, what will you be doing in a thousand years? <laughs> it's actually an immensely important question yeah. because we will be doing something. And it's just such a radical shift to the Western view that rather than using career and finances and kingdom building, our own kingdom, to crescendo somewhere in our 50s or maybe 60s and then just kind of coast – Actually, the, the kingdom model is that all of life is a apprenticeship, that the consummation is heaven. And that's when we get to fully realize what God set in mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. and that we actually, you know, like Willard says, we're unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal place in God's great universe. Mm -hmm. And that just shifts something for me because if that's true, I mean, I remember sitting with actually an Australian man that I met when we were down there, Rob and a holy man. He was, at the time, he was in his late 70s, and he came to the U.S. to meet with his mentors. Late 70s. He's really? meeting with older men. He was meeting with Thomas Keating and Richard Rohr, and I sat with him, and I just felt so at ease. Mm. I felt this ease come over me, which is just the sign of being around a father. Mm. And he said something fascinating. He said, Morgan, one day our inner life will become greater than our outer life. 
that that's what God's growing. It's it's kind of what Paul says that outwardly we are wasting away. You know, mm-hmm. we peak at our twenties and physiologically we are wasting away, but inwardly we are renewed and we are growing from the inside out. And it's the at, reverse, actually, isn't it? Exactly. Physically, yeah. And what strikes me about what you're saying is, if that's true, if God's preparing me for an eternal position of kingship and leadership, and all of life is the preparation and it's the internal world, it's the unseen one, then it really begs the question of how am I laying that foundation today? Mm. Because most of my energy, I find, is building the externals when the truth is if I play that out to its logical eternal end, there's some really big holes in that model. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I I think of uh, an example of that, the guy that I've been walking with in the last 12 or 13 years had a very – distinguished kind of career heading up theological college actually mm-hmm. and didn't really engage much at a personal level yes. with a lot of guys and then uh, started doing that a bit with me and realized okay there's some guys out there need some help looking yes. at this bloke <laughs> um, and as his career finished he he then realized wow there's there's a whole bunch of leaders a whole bunch of men out there that actually are really aching Yes. for to talk with and to walk with an older guy. He's in his 60s at the time. He's now gone on to develop, the Lord's given him a whole career, if you like. Yes. I hate to use that term right, around it, but right. he's kind of given him a whole season of his life. He's now in his early 70s mm. where he's been mentoring up to 100 men a year full time, just making the time to walk with them and do all the stuff we've been talking about, leaders, men of influence, and helping them mm in their paths, in their ministries, in their roles, uh, in their personal lives, to navigate a path through. And I think that's a prime example of a guy that's been inwardly growing. Yes. You know, physically, he's, uh, you know, in fact, uh, he's just found out he's got a battle with cancer mm-hmm. ahead of him. And he's taken that one full on. I only met with him a week or so before I left to come mm-hmm. over here. And so physically, you know, yeah, sure, he's diminishing. Yes. But... My gosh, what a man of stature yes. that has been inwardly formed wow. and influencing many, many others along the way. And you're right, you know, a piece and there's a, a really strong yeah. foundation. And you sit with him and you go, yeah, it's okay. Yes. you know, It's all right. As you say that, Dave, there is this ache in me that goes, oh, you know, what if I didn't have that? Because you go, well, if I could only spend time with him, you know? And yet, you know, it's fascinating. I think of like Churchill, Winston Churchill, one of the most impactful quotes about his life that struck me that was the simple aside in one of the biographies. It said, no man had become more of what he didn't have himself in the lives of others. (laughs) And it was just this picture of he grew up fatherless and he came to be this powerful man that brought fatherly strength to many. And so I want to suggest that there is this to not end with the ache of the void, but instead the risk of believing that we have a good father and we actually have the opportunity to become what we've not yet had. And so Mm -hmm. one day as these young men that are listening with ache, if they're willing to lean into the reality that God might be using their pain 
to invite them to a deeper place with the father so that they will become the mentors mm. and the fathers that they didn't have. Mm. And the next generation, their ceiling is our floor, yeah. right? Just as I've gotten to be fathered by you and other older men. And in some ways we get to stand on your shoulders. I, mean, I was mm. just reading it in Second Timothy this morning where Paul calls Timothy a son of the faith. And mm. here he is calling him and shaping him and growing him that every generation gets to stand upon the legacy of the first. Yeah. So it gives me hope. That was a really impacting image that I know that the younger guys that were part of the weekend loved. They loved the idea of the ceiling. Yes. And standing on yes. the ceiling of other men. That's good. And man, the responsibility then on our generation yeah. make sure that our ceiling is getting up right, there. Right, right. You get to raise the I, roof. I don't want them to step on it, up onto my ceiling. I want them to get a little ladder to That's get on beautiful. It. You know what I mean? I love it. <laughs> and I say that in a hopefully <laughs> very unprideful way. <laughs> yes. They caught hold of that That's over the good. weekend. That's good. It actually excited them. They mentioned it a number of times to think, wow, you know, A, it put us on a pedestal and that yes. was hard to sit in. Yes. But- then you realize, actually, this is the way they, they want to hear our stories and yes. they want to hear how not to make some of the mistakes and, and how to navigate some of this stuff so that they can get a step up. And we're all building on what's gone before and learning and growing and God's hopefully shaping us and using us. Mm. And that it generated some significant excitement yeah, among good. the men. And I think a few of them got the idea, well, you know, like I did, this is actually really important that we get this right, mm. not only for the younger men coming behind me, but for my kids yes, and my wife. and my, you know, there's, yes. a, there's a whole domino effect of the importance of it. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Mm. It was a pretty cool awakening for some of the guys and myself. You know, the, the older guys, I think a lot of the emotion that comes through, the facilitators mm -hmm. and in the sessions that we'd have just – debriefing I suppose after the the time of teaching yeah the emotion that rose among the men realizing the importance of this yes and you you realize your time is finite more and more the more finite it becomes yes and so the importance and the desperation that starts to seep in I know in my own kids lives the desperation I have and particularly with my son who's just turned 17 I've got a desperation now realizing that I'm releasing him more. Yes. And in many ways, a lot of my job has been done, the formative pieces of him, but I'm desperately wanting to make sure I haven't stuffed it up. Yes. That I haven't messed it up and or to remedy the areas that I know I have. Yes. And man, there's been plenty of them. Yes. To try and help that process yes. for him as he comes along. And I think that's that same fathering piece happens in you as you get older yes. with the younger guys and you don't want them to mess it up Yes, yes. like you have. You know, one of the things I heard in the magnificent opportunity we were given in the closing session to be able to share a little bit, you know, the number of guys that got up there and spoke about time, the theme of time, the importance of recognizing that, you know, time is of yes. the essence. And yes. in your 30s, you, you think, oh, I've, I've got a whole lot of time ahead. But I now at 51, now I'm looking going, wow, where did that time go? And in your 30s, you hear that. You're sitting there looking mm -hmm. at me going, yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 right. right. Yeah, but I've still got plenty. I've still got it. I've still got plenty of time. You'll be sitting in this chair mm. 
before you know it, going, where did that go? Mm. So don't mess it up. <laughs> Dave, at the close of the intensive, we had the opportunity for us younger men to sit under the counsel of the older men and ask them to ask the father, what, what is one thing? What is one treasure that they would leave us with? And so that's the question I ask you today is, you offered some great thoughts on time, some kingdom thoughts, and I'd love for you to leave us with that treasure today. Okay. All right, time. This has been your time, a special gift of time, a timely message at the right time. Time is precious. Time moves fast, is diminishing. I wish I had your time. Time to find the Father's agenda about your time. Time for change, quality time. Time for sonship, savour time. Time to dig, take time. Time to live, life to the full. Dave, that's a treasure. Your time is a treasure, and that is a treasure. And being with you as a younger man allows me to live more of this to the full. Thank you for your time. No problem. It's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. If you enjoyed this and would like more podcasts and blogs and other resources to take this decade of excavation and go deeper, join us at becomegoodsoil.com. <laughs>